Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the eighth episode of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jake Murrin, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm always excited about guests on this show, but today's is super exciting because the word champion is associated with this man's name. He's a two-time national champion of the World Association of Kickboxing Organizations, a two-time lace-up amateur champion, and he's the International Kickboxing Federation Amateur Welterweight Champion. He is Jason Jaguar Jones. Thanks for coming on, and welcome to Fortune Ohio, Jason. Thanks for having me. Did I get all those accolades right? Yeah, I think so. Sounds about right? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, there's a lot there to it, man. We always simplify it down into like certain letters, and you said the whole word, so I was like, oh, okay, that's what all that actually means. Future reference in the interview, I'll, I'll abbreviate <laughs> it, but I got to get the, the whole thing yeah. in the intro. All right, let's get to some of the questions. First, I want to ask you, you know, Jason Jaguar Jones. I love the nickname, and I've even referenced you to others just by saying, you know, Jaguar Jones. I'm about to interview Jaguar Jones. I'm assuming it's because of your speed when fighting, but who came up with it, and why did you ultimately decide on Jaguar? We don't really get to pick our names. Our coach picks our names, and uh, my coach is Ryan the Lion Madigan, so he just chose another animal name, which was, was, it was cool. We, got, we went through a couple different ones. That yeah. We're not even going to say them. Because, because we're not proud of them. So, <laughs> but the jaguar was the one that stuck. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, the alliterations there. It just yeah. sounds great yeah. in the middle of your name. You're the first Muay Thai fighter and kickboxer that I've had on Fortune Ohio. Can you explain to listeners who might be casual or even hardcore MMA fans that might not know exactly what those disciplines are? Basically, Muay Thai and kickboxing is just going to be all striking. When you know you have a little bit of difference between Muay Thai and kickboxing. Kickboxing, you're going to see. You know, it's, it's more aimed towards punching and kicking. You know, you can throw knees, but limited clinch. You have to be very active in the clinch, whereas Muay Thai, you can kind of sit in the clinch. You can turn in the clinch, and um, obviously you have elbows in Muay Thai too. So if you like any combat sport, pretty much like to see violence, and the most violence you're going to probably see is in Muay Thai or kickboxing because it can't go to the ground, so you have no pause in action. Is there any confusion on your end? I know you've been competing for a long time, but with the different rule sets and Muay Thai kickboxing, and especially, you know, if you're an amateur, these rules can change from state to state. Has there ever been kind of confusion in terms of that in your career? Yeah, there's all, always, especially right. because I'm I'm a very, uh, I'm a kind of person that I kind of just do as I'm told with it. So mm-hmm. I never really cared to know the difference between Muay Thai and kickboxing. And, you know, uh, obviously my coach is aimed more at getting kickboxing fights, but obviously we'll take Muay Thai fights as well. So. I think the first couple fights, I, never, I don't even know if I did kickboxing or Muay Thai, you know, because I, I didn't really know the difference. I was like, oh, it's, it's Muay Thai. And I definitely lost, I think, my first Muay Thai fight, though. Maybe my second Muay Thai fight that I lost to somebody named Jalil ended up being pretty good, luckily. So, yeah, there's definitely a little confusion. But once you get it once you get it down, I've been doing it a couple of years now, so uh, it really makes no difference which rule set it is. It's just a little bit of difference in style. I noticed in an Instagram post with your belts that the two lace-up belts were labeled welterweight and super middleweight champions on them. I know you're the welterweight champion at IKF, so what's going on with the super middleweight belt? One belt is just 147, and that's the typical weight I fight. And then the other belt, uh, we couldn't find somebody for 147, so 153 got brought up, and you know I just like to fight, so whatever weight it is, I'll just fight. Was that a hard adjustment to make, no. fighting guys up a no, weight e- class a little bit? Easier or? because typically when you when you go down in weight class, you have a an increase in speed. Obviously, when you go up in weight class, there's an increase in power. But, you know, 
at the end of the day, everybody's going to hit hard. So, you know, it doesn't matter which way it is. You know, you sh if you've been training a long time, you should hit hard anyway. So, sure. Yeah. It's honestly nicer when you don't have to cut that much weight. Your performance is probably a little bit better as well. Is cutting weight a difficult process for you, or by now you kind of have it mastered down? Well, it just depends which version which version <laughs> I do. Sometimes I uh, I wait until the last minute to start the weight cut, which obviously those suck, you know. But uh, I believe I believe a weight cut could be very easy. I you know I have kind of like the right team aligned to where they've made it as easy as it can possibly get. However, I will say sometimes if you do a little bit of a harder weight cut or you make it a little bit more aggressive, you tend to be a little bit meaner, which is a little bit better for fighting. What's it like training at WKA and having Ryan Madigan as a coach, like you mentioned? Honestly, it's been it's been pretty awesome. It's been a, I've gotten a very lucky experience with it. You know, uh, I was lucky to have him kind of take me under my wing. I got in there at a young age, so he took me underneath his wing and kind of just, you know, guided me into becoming, you know, the martial artist that I am. Um, it's a very family environment there it's you know it's like uh, a lot of people enact as a family like if anything ever happened everybody would be there or try to pitch in in any way to help in fact when I went to Brazil you know everybody was pitching in, in any way they could to help which was very much appreciated and that's where you really just saw a, a huge family environment and a culture there yeah talking about your career to this point what's your actual record as an amateur fighter I want to say 18 and 3. I just lost my last one. Yeah, okay. so 18 and 3. Yeah, I saw it was 11 and 1 as of December 2020, but I didn't know. I know you've competed since yeah. then. So that's not only an impressive record, but that's a lot of fights to compete in. Has your goal been at a young age to be an active amateur fighter? At a young age? No, I didn't know I was going to be a fighter. No. I just, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I always liked, I always thought I was going to go into the military. So then when, when I found fighting, it was like you got the the war aspect of it and in, in a way you know obviously not not the same thing but the war aspect of it which i always was interested in so you know and it was better because you weren't deployed and you were at home so then i just decided to stick with the fighting route i actually my buddy chris porter the only reason i got into fighting is because i saw my buddy chris porter kick somebody in the head and so uh, i wanted to go down and train with him but it was a little too far away so we went gym to gym until we found a gym with heavy bags in it because that's all I was looking for, and that's when I stumbled into Ryan Madigan's gym. How old were you when you met him and, like, found out that, hey, this is what I want to do? So I was I was 16 when I met him. I officially signed up when I was 17, and uh, I got beat up in high school. When, and I wasn't really taking it serious when I was fighting, but I got beat up in high school about three months, maybe four months into training. You know, and the guy was a little bit heavier, but that doesn't, that really shouldn't matter. But I got beat up, and for some reason, that just made everything more intense. I started going to fighter practice, and then I got beat up the first day in fighter practice. And for some reason, I was addicted to it after that. I was just, it was every day I had trained after that. So something switched then, and then it's just been ever since. Was it day one of training that you realized that fighting is what you want to do and not the military? Or, or did it take some time to actually think, hey, fighting is the career I want to go into? It took some time. I would say mm -hmm. when I got on the fight team is when it really clicked for me, um, that it was something I wanted to at least see through. You know, I didn't know if that's what I wanted to do, but I definitely wanted to see it through. And then I was gonna I was gonna join the military because my goal is to get on their fight team. And uh there was a little bit of confusion with my with my little officer I had in place at the time and he uh he had told me the wrong date that I was supposed to ship out and so I actually had a fight the same month I was supposed to ship out. It was like a week before I was supposed to ship out and they were real nasty about me fighting and they were trying to be a little manipulative. They're trying to manipulate me a little bit with it and try to say, oh, Ryan Madigan is just trying to get money from you. 
And I'm like, I'm an amateur. We don't make money. <laughs> you know, like, how's he going to get any money from me? So then they kind of, the guy just made me uninterested. Had I had a better guy in that position talking to me, maybe I still would have probably went into the military. But he kind of just ruined that experience for me. At the end of the day, looking back at that whole experience, are you happy with how it turned out, knowing now that you are an experienced Muay Thai and kickboxer rather than actually being shipped out to the military back then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And who's to say I would ever got on the fight team then, you know? Uh, and like I said, I've, and with this whole martial arts thing, I've been very blessed to have the coach I have. And, you know, and that's, I'll always, I'll, I'll probably never fight. Like if something were to happen between Madigan and I, I wouldn't fight without him in my corner. There really just wouldn't be any any point. We have that chemistry in the corner, you know, and uh, it's kind of just like a traditional thing to me now. Talking to Jason Jaguar Jones on Forge in Ohio, I know you recently competed on the WAKO USA team in Brazil, like you mentioned, and you documented that experience on TikTok. I saw you training with Team USA practically on the streets, it looked like, and I know you ended up losing to a Brazilian fighter. What was that latest experience like competing for you? Very eye-opening, you know, uh, and mainly because, you know, I didn't lose off of his, him, the opponent being more skilled. You know, definitely that day he showed up and he had the better game plan, but he he just enacted his game plan. I never really got off to my game plan. Um, and realistically, I think that's just a mental thing. You know, that's what my, my coach believes as well, that I just need to envision the fight more and then go out and do what I'm supposed to do instead of just going into brawl mode. What was it like competing in Brazil? I mean, I couldn't imagine what that was like for you, but what was that entire experience like? It was awesome. Out there, we didn't really prepare. We procrastinated for everything. You know, we, we didn't try to learn any of the language until we got out there, you know, and we ended up actually getting on our phones and Google translating everything to try to talk to people. It was, it was pretty funny, uh, but it was very nice. Everybody was very respectful out there. Different version of life. A lot of people walked everywhere. You know, there was a lot of bikes out there, but... Other than that, a lot of people mainly just walked, so everybody seemed a little bit more fit out there as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just, it was beautiful. It wasn't the nicest place, but it was definitely like a beautiful spot to be in. They had an amazing steak as well. So, yeah. I mentioned, I kind of saw those videos of you guys pretty much training on the streets outside. Was there not room to train inside the facility, or what, what was that all about? No, there was no. In fact, we were supposed to be in a five star hotel. But we don't know what happened to that. You know, there was a picture in the hotel of a five-star hotel, but we were not at that one. You know, so uh, it was very, everything was very tiny out there. You know, we, the rooms were very tiny. We ended up adjusting pretty well to it. But yeah, all of our training was uh, pretty much done outside on the streets, except Madigan and I did stumble across this gym. It wasn't even open at the time, but somehow we got into it. And uh, the owner was there and he let us train there for an hour while they were closed. And then he let us come back a couple of days for free, never charged us anything. That was pretty cool, but uh, they had mats and everything in there, so we went and trained in there. I actually had my coach training a lot out there, and it's always good to see him training. Yeah, so you said the experience was eye-opening because the opponent you had fought wasn't necessarily better than you. How do you plan on you know using that knowledge and getting better for your next opponent in your next fight? Just visualizing what I need to do differently, you know, uh, just fighting with a, a smart IQ instead of instead of fighting their fight, fighting my own fight, just going out there and being you know, establishing dominance early and very eye-opening in a sense that it's a completely different style. You know, uh, when I think about a fight, I think about who can do the most damage, you know, and uh, this style is a little bit more who can touch, not get touched. So it's a, l- a little slicker and it's uh, it's very good. We practice it and we have the technique down. We just need to implement it now, you know. Right. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if you necessarily have one, but what has been your favorite fight of your career so far? My favorite fight would have to probably be this guy, Vinny. I fought for that 153 title because uh, his coach is super disrespectful. You know, everybody everybody uh, says his coach causes problems. So they they had this promotions had put me up against this guy, and they only promoted the guy because he was local. I'm assuming he sold a lot of tickets out in New York. But they pretty much just discredited me, which is like, oh, he, he has some experience, but, you know, Vinny's super explosive, Vinny's this, Vinny's that, you know, and then uh, I actually tore my knee in that fight, um, my right knee into the second round, and I still beat him every single round, you know, and uh, I didn't end up knocking him out, although in the first round I hit him with a head kick and, and dropped him. They didn't count it as a drop, and I have it all on video, too. You know, his, both of his hands touched the ground, and they just just didn't count him or anything. Yeah, which was fine, because at the end of the day, you know, he ended up fighting through it, so, you know. That's cool as well. He was, he's a pretty tough guy, but you know, even if had I done some things a little bit differently there, I would probably would have knocked him out too. So it sounds like there was bad blood. I know his coach was disrespectful. Were there any words exchanged between now, you and him? Vinny himself was very yeah. nice. You know, um, you know, like I said, it's, I'm, I'm a martial artist. Is how I consider it. I don't consider myself a, a fighter. So when you hear about you know just uh, a coach or a head coach being disrespectful or just having no honor, then it's always fun to fight his guys because when you beat. Guys like that, they their coach is just a little extra mad, you know. You're not beating him to beat the guy. You're beating him to beat the coach. You said you you blew out your knee in the second round of that fight? Yeah, I, I tried to throw a spinning back fist, and uh, he he had, like, thrown his leg up weird like a check, and so my leg planted weird and caved in. And uh, it, I pulled my IT band. I did something weird. My knee was, like, after the fight, I could barely even walk. I had to get carried to the car. My uh, My leg was completely swollen, and I think... It was like three weeks I was on crutches after that. How are you able to fight through that and get through that fight when it was that severe of an injury? I oh, just, you know, poker face it. Yeah, you the know, adrenaline yeah. kind of carried no, you through? Adrenaline, adrenaline is a huge myth in a fight. I was always told adrenaline will last about 10 to 20 seconds, and then you have your adrenaline dump. And, you know, you, don't, you, don't, you, you hear that and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, totally. You know? And then you have that happen. You know? But now, nowadays, it doesn't even matter. I feel like I don't even get any adrenaline. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in there. It's it's mainly just, you know, your willpower. Do you want it more than your body is willing to go through? Mm-hmm. You know, because at that point it becomes easy to go through any pain. What's the pressure like when you're competing for a championship like you have multiple times in your amateur career? There's more pressure if you care. You know, and, and my mindset, I don't really care. Win, lose. You know, obviously my goal is to win. You know, but I'm out there having fun. I'm not going to I'm not gonna go home and cry about it if I lose. You know, I'm going to... Uh, I'm just going to accept that I lost, and then I'm going to go back to the drawing boards and figure out why I lost, what I need to do differently. And, uh, you know, you, you got to have fun even when you lose. You know, if you're only having fun when you win, then you're probably never going to stick through it. And you, you see a lot of people just take their losses completely to heart. And me, it's, you know, it's guaranteed. you you got a 50-50 chance of winning or losing. Somebody has to lose. Some days it's going to be you, you know. So mm-hmm. you just can't stay stuck in your head about it. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Is that a mindset you've always had, or is that a mindset you maybe developed over time and you actually did feel pressure in those early fights of your career? When I used to wrestle, I wrestled in middle school, and uh, I was a real crappy wrestler. And so I, I used to lose all the time, and I would always cry like a little baby, you know. And then uh, at a certain point, I just realized, I was like, who really cares? You know, like, when lose or not, you know, like, it's, it's fun to compete, you know. Um, and that's where a lot of people... I feel like I'm different than a lot of people. You know, I always try to take the positive of things, you know, um, because a lot of people get real negative on life, and I just try to find a positive way to look at it, you know. 
so a lot of people stay stuck on a loss, and I just I don't agree with that. Yeah, that's a great mindset to have. Is it hard to not get caught up in the belts and medals that you have won as an amateur kickboxer? Dude, I don't care about any of that. To, to be honest, everybody else looks at that, and they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And once you win one, you're like, anybody could have those, you know? Uh, so I, I guess it's just never being satisfied with it, you know? Or or knowing that, you know, maybe I just showed up better that day. You know, they could have won had circumstances been a little bit different, you know? And just, uh, you know, because anybody can win a medal. Any, you know, it just depends who you're fighting. So none of that stuff seems really that cool to me. Yeah, that's uh, Instagram post where you're posing with everything that you have won in your career. I mean, you, you got to brag here and there. Pretty, yeah, you know? I mean, that, that post was pretty you insane. Know? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I did that. My my sponsors, I have a, a sponsor called Any Means Necessary. They they hooked me up with a bunch of clothes, super good company. But they they definitely want me to be a little bit more out there and, and post it and mm-hmm. get followers. And, you know, it's very hard. I, I, I want to say it was Walter Payton that I had to do a report on in fifth grade, and he had always said, if you're good, people will tell you you're good. You won't tell people you're good. So I really try to stick to that motto. But as an amateur fighter, the only way you're going to get money is if you put yourself out there a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess kind of brag or, or look a little cocky or just show what you, what you have. On uh, World Kickboxing Academy's website, it says that you're going to turn professional in the future. When do you think you'll end up going pro? It's not my decision. That's my coach's decision, you know. Um, so whenever he sees the, the right opportunity, then we'll go pro. Um, as far as my understanding, is it'll just be the next opportunity that presents itself. So, you know, no matter what it is, whether I'm pro or, or amateur, I just, you know, I want to fight anyway, stay active. You've clearly had a great career as an amateur. What discipline would you want to go into and go pro in? Like, what do you think is possible for you to achieve in your career in any discipline that you end up going into? My my goal would be to get the highest level of kickboxing or Muay Thai that I can, mm-hmm. you know, uh, become a world champion there, and then go over to MMA because obviously that's where it seems like the money's going to be. But, you know, a lot of people will rush that. You know, a lot of people will get good at striking, and then they'll just go over to MMA. They'll have barely any jiu-jitsu or wrestling, you know, and they'll make it through fighting the average guys. And then once you get to the top guys, you can't you can't compete because they can just expose the holes in your game. So before I do any switching over, I'd really like to master all the disciplines of the martial arts. That way I know that I'm completely well-rounded. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your interest in pursuing MMA one day. And I know I saw on your Instagram as well that you met the immortal Matt Brown what was that experience like? No, he's different. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's different. He's a pretty cool guy. It was a, a good opportunity that I was able to do because of Ryan Madigan. It was pretty cool to spar him. He's just such a, you know, obviously he's a little bit older, so there's a speed advantage on my side. But he's just such a, a mean, strong dude with everything he does, you know, and uh, his conditioning is great. And, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty good opportunity. I definitely learned a little bit sparring with him, you know. And uh, him and him and my coach have a pretty good history of fighting because they uh my coach trained him a couple times for his ufc fights mm. so once again this is jason jaguar jones with us on forged in ohio let's talk about your other role in fighting how did you get into the role at world kickboxing where you serve as an instructor and a teacher so when i was <laughs> when i was 17 maybe 18 years old i uh you know my mom was paying for my membership you know and driving me every day and she found out i was smoking a little bit of weed and uh she wasn't going to put up with that, so she went in there and told told Madigan that I, she had to cancel my membership because she caught me smoking weed. And 
he was a little worried that I wasn't going to come back. So he was like, well, why don't we just, you know, put him on a sponsorship here and then he'll have to teach a couple classes, a couple kids classes, like one or two a week, you know. And so she was all for that. She was like, that's awesome. You know, she goes, because then she would save a, you know, a couple hundred dollars. And uh, so after that, I started teaching, you know, the kids class. And then it was just pretty much whatever they needed, I was able to help with. And then I just got put into the role once Madigan bought out World Kickboxing Academy. He needed instructors, so we, we had me and another guy helping with classes, and then uh, eventually that guy got out of the gym, and it was just me, so then I helped with classes, and now I've seen Madigan build up the gym, so now I'm kind of, I guess, one of the original crew members because it was all the way back from Stowe, but uh, gotten to see him build a pretty big team around him. Right, so at first it sounds like you either weren't going to be at WK or you were going to be an instructor there. Yeah. Did it... Was it like, oh, I have to go train these kids? Or at first, was it maybe, yeah, okay, let's see what this is all about? It was it was cool because it was, uh, you know, it was a privilege to be able to teach. So mm. it was, I was excited to do it. I thought it was going to be pretty cool. And honestly, it, it definitely helped me learn. Having to teach somebody um, really makes you understand the technique a lot, a little bit better. And so, uh, you know, I got a, at a young age, I was able to develop a, a coach's mentality in a way of, of helping people and trying to get them better with the technique. And a lot of times you see fighters, they'll learn how to fight, but then they don't know how to teach it to somebody, you know, so they never set themselves up to do anything after fighting. So it was just, uh, it was another opportunity that I got presented that I, I found a lot of interest in. How long did it take you to become, you know, the, the teacher that you are now compared to when you first started all the way back when you did? Oh, six years yeah. <laughs> oh no, yeah uh, and don't get me wrong you as as an instructor I feel like you're non-stop always going to be able to learn and always have room to learn because you can always find a different way to explain it you know and uh, a lot of people will only have one way of explaining it and not everybody gets it that way you have to be able to just you know relate to somebody and tell them in a way that they're going to understand and make it a little bit easier on them because Typically, people won't completely understand you, so they can't get the technique down. You can just say it in a few different ways, and then it makes it to where they can understand it better, so they can and then end up doing the technique a little bit easier. Alex Henry, who is a good friend of mine and has trained with you before, he said that you go that extra mile to get people to bring the best out of themselves at the gym. How do you bring the best out of people in Muay Thai and in kickboxing? Just by keeping a joking environment, you know, and then, uh, like, just trying to make people laugh a little bit you know because if people are having a good time then they're they're willing to do a little bit more rather than if they're having a bad time you know if you're having a bad time you're going to dread anything you have to do so uh just trying to ensure the, the good times are there yeah i'm sure you take pride in teaching kids the basics of both muay thai and kickboxing what is it like to train such young kids kids are honestly i think the best to train you know it's very fun training adults because you can you can uh you know be an adult and say things like an adult to them. And as a kid, you definitely have to not dumb it down, but you have to say it in ways that they're going to understand because they don't know, obviously, as much mm-hmm. as an adult. But the nice thing about training kids is is they really look, get to look up to you and you you get seen as a role model to them. So it's good to be able to inspire them and give them something to fight for or even help them get through. Maybe they're getting bullied at school and helping them get through something like that, you know, just aiding them and developing them as a child. Do you feel more fulfilled when you see the younger people that you train at WKA succeed than maybe when you actually win fights yourself? Yeah, and that's not necessarily even the kids, but just uh, just anybody that's trying to meet a goal. And yeah. it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be fighting. Like, it's always, 
we have a couple people that, you know, have trained hard for fights, and it's definitely good to see them win. It's definitely weird to see people fighting and being in their corner. That is a little weird because you get a little antsy. You're like, oh, I don't know what to expect here. So that's a different perspective of, of the fighting. But, uh, you know, even some people are just doing it for confidence. You know, they're not, they're not doing it to uh, be a fighter to compete. And even seeing those students excel in their mental life, you know, and their mental ability and just you see the, the progress of them is kind of rewarding as well. It sounds like there's more pressure on you. We talked about that mindset. You don't really feel pressure when you go in and compete yourself, but maybe more pressure when you're cornering somebody else. Oh, yeah. Oh, a ton more pressure because they're looking to you for the guidance. You know, they, they don't know what to expect. Uh, typically, I'll end up being more experienced than them. So, you know, I know what to expect. They don't, you know, so the things you say to them are going to matter. You know, it's going to affect how they, they mentally handle whatever that challenge is. I feel like you're always surrounded by the fight game, whether it's competing yourself or training others. Have you ever found yourself burnt out from this and this crazy life of kickboxing, Muay Thai, martial arts, everything like that? Yeah, yeah. When I was like 20, I got burnt out for a little bit, and so I, uh, I, I took about a month off, I would say. And I was, I was working third shift, so I was in and out of the gym. I wasn't there as much. Mr. Madigan always gave me a key to the gym, so I was always able to get in and train. So I still trained every day, but there was probably about a month that. I, I wasn't going in and wasn't as serious about training as I am now. And, uh, you know, it was me coming home, hanging out with my friends. And after about, I would say, like three weeks, I was like, hey, does anybody want to go on a jog? And everybody's like, we, why would we do that? That doesn't sound fun. And I realized everybody was kind of just sitting around being stupid. So that's when I was like, yeah, I got to get I got to get away from all this and went back to training immediately. Is there anything that you've found that you tend to do to get away from the sport sometimes if it feels like it's kind of dominating your life in a way? No. Nope. No. It, in fact, it's the priority number one. You know, obviously, I have a job that I have to adhere to. Um, but there's been times that, you know, I'm sick, that I'm not really sick, that I just am sick that day so I can go train all day, you know. And uh, fighting definitely comes first. And, you know, you got to have that happy medium where you, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. But, uh, you know, obviously, if I could, I would train all day, every day. I know you're recently coming off of a fight, but when do you think you'll end up competing next? Probably not January because I'm not in shape right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, February, March, April, you know, May, any of those are looking realistic. I think February they have for the WACO, they got the uh, the rankings tournament. So maybe going and doing that. And realistically, it's just whatever my coach decides. You know, I don't, you know, he pretty much tells me what I'm doing when I'm doing it. You know, he gives me a good enough notice and I'm, we're able to make it happen. You know, some things are short notice, but that's just part of the game. And, uh, Pretty much, you know, a lot of people will question their coach or they try to decide. My coach is my manager, so he just decides. He tells me when I'm fighting, what he expects from me, and I just make it happen. Yeah, and who wants to fight in January anyway? You know, yeah. the holidays. Who wants to weight cut during that time? Yeah, nobody's going to want to. Last thing, Jason, where can fans find you and follow you along with your career on social media? So that's where I'm terrible at. I'm terrible <laughs> at social media uh, just because I, I don't always like everybody in my business. The yeah. problem, you know, but Jaguar Jones one i believe is my instagram i'm gonna try to be on tiktok a little bit more um just because i can make video posts a little bit easier on there it's jason jones 4230 on tiktok i've been ending interviews on forge in ohio all the same way jason all with the good old chant for the state of ohio so jason oh io <laughs> awesome thanks for that and uh thanks again for the time uh, good luck in training, instructing, and in future fights, and hopefully we can get you back on the show when you're competing next. All right, thank you. I appreciate being on here.
that was Jason Jaguar Jones. Like I said at the top, the word champion is associated with this young man's name, and this is one exciting amateur prospect in kickboxing and martial arts. It was great to have a change of pace on Forge in Ohio by bringing a kickboxer on the show, and you already know that I'll be back next week with another combat sports athlete interview. Until then, follow me on Instagram at Jake underscore Murin to know when new episodes drop and share and subscribe to this podcast. I've been your host, Jake Murin, and this was Forged in Ohio.